Welcome to a new edition of the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino. On this episode, we talk with Oklahoma City-based endocrinologist Cassie Smith. She is a dual board certified endocrinologist, nationally respected speaker, researcher, and locally sought after endocrinologist who focuses on industry-leading hormone therapy and a holistic approach to treat patients struggling with overwhelm that make lifestyle changes to rebalance and align their health. She did undergraduate medical school at the University of Missouri-Kansas City, which is one of three colleges in the country with a combined undergraduate and medical degree program. It was completed in six years. She's off and running. Enjoy this interview. Well, it's great to meet you. Where are you located? Yeah, nice to meet you. Oklahoma City. Okay, right on. You know what always blew me away about Oklahoma City when I went there years ago? The Sonic headquarters is there, but they don't actually have a Sonic in there that you can get food at. They do now. I have one like less than a mile from my house. Okay, so in actually the headquarters, you can go in there and get food now. Oh, in the headquarters. I don't know about the headquarters. They have Sonic. Yeah, they kept telling me that you couldn't do it in the headquarters. It's like, this is where it all comes from. You you got to. Is it downtown? Yeah. Yeah, no, you still can't get food there. Man, that doesn't make any sense. At least a tater tot, something. (laughs) So, well, hey, it's great to meet you. And before we get into your work and your life, I want to know, how did you get through the last three years with COVID? How did you get through it and how did it change you? Oh, wow. That's a loaded question. So <laughs> I actually uh, started a private practice at the worst time ever in the last decade, March 1st, 2020. Wow. So I, I started my private practice. Yeah. So I think I got through it with a little bit of grit, but it was, you know, because I had to. So all the, um, you know, what was it called? Money that people got, like the PPP or whatever, all yeah. the help. I didn't qualify for any of it because I didn't have a business in 2019. Man. So basically how I got through it was I just went to work every day. <laughs> yeah. I work every day and I saw who would come and I did telehealth. And it was, I don't know. I It was almost like when I look back on it, it didn't, it wasn't like real to me because I just, did it. You know, I went to work. I had to, I didn't really have a choice. So. So do you think the timing of that pushed you harder? Probably for sure. Because I was obviously like terrified, right? Like, Oh gosh, I took this leap, but I'm going to have this practice. I'm not going to work for a a hospital. And then now, you know, crap, people might not come, but thankfully, you know, a lot of my patients still wanted to see doctor. I mean, you know, when you have diabetes, you want to see your doctor you need to figure out what's going on. You need to, So a lot of them came, they wore a mask, obviously we wore a mask, trying to make them feel comfortable, but some of them did telehealth, but we just, I don't know, I guess the need is, is pretty high too, so yeah, it was, it was okay. So everything's good now? I mean, when you look back and you're three years out, how is everything going? Oh yeah, no, it's great. Um, it's very, it's good. I'm busier than I want to be, so. Okay. That's a good thing. And that yeah. seems to be the mantra in healthcare. It's like there's always extra extra dominoes in the playing field. Yeah, I'm right now trying to figure out what I want to do because I feel like I've I've grown quickly and I'm almost feel like I've grown too much, you know? And so I'm just trying to figure out how to juggle it all because it's all new for me. So I'm trying to figure out, you know, how do you uh, how do you provide the best healthcare to the most amount of people but then at the same time not not be able to provide healthcare to some of your people. So it's just, that's it. 
it's the issue I have right now because right, I have people on Facebook who message me like I had six messages this morning. Like I want to see you. I have this. I have that. I mean, that's like a daily thing. And then I get referrals to my clinic, you know, 10, 20 of them a day. And it's like, I can't see all these people. And so it hurts my heart because I know it's easy things. Right. But I'm just so I have a lot of moral issues with that right now. I mean, isn't that the catch-22 of modern healthcare, though? I mean, I experienced yeah. that, where it's like, you just, either for my kids or for me, you just can't get in because they're overloaded, but they want to. You want to do the Hippocratic Oath, but there's a reality that you don't want to, you know, give less than you can get. I mean, it's it's kind of the way it is. What And what do you think would fix that? Oh, my gosh. So many things. I could talk about problems with healthcare in this country for Till tomorrow. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, so to start like where I came from, right. So I grew up pretty poor, like didn't, I mean, my parents didn't go to college. They didn't have a college fund. And so, you know, one of the biggest issues with me, I knew I wanted to go to med school, but they were like, okay, well, it's going to cost you $300,000, you know, and that was in 2004. Uh, You know, I mean, and so it's like, uh, that's a lot of money. Right. And so for me, you know, I got out of med school with almost half a million dollars in debt because you can't pay on those loans while you're in med school and when you're in residency. Right. And so, so I started my life at 32, half a million dollars in debt when a lot of people start already making money and have a 401k. Right. So I think one of the things you can do in this country is incentivize people to do that. Right. Like, so making that more doable for people. And so I don't know whether that is through scholarships or, government funding or, you know, so that's one thing. It's just, I mean, we don't have people that want to be doctors like we used to. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that, right? Like I feel like doctors aren't really respected like they used to be. And maybe that's okay because some of them aren't great doctors, but I think that that whole, you know, drive and desire to be a doctor that was there 15, 20 years ago is kind of going away. And then when you say, Oh, you have to go to school and work really hard for 10, 12 years and you don't get to make any money and it's also going to cost you. It just makes it like less people are going into medicine, less people. Are, like I'm an endocrinologist. We aren't making the same amount of endocrinologists. Like we don't have as many endocrinology fellows that graduate every year as we did whenever I graduated seven years ago. Yet diabetes is, you know, increasing rampantly. So who is going to take care of all these patients? You know, that's a huge problem is the actual getting people to want to be a doctor and getting the training. That's one issue. Um, I think the other issue is that in this country, healthcare is completely backwards. And instead of working on preventative stuff, we fix things after the fact, right? So 95% of the people that walk in my office wouldn't need me if we did preventative healthcare in this country, right? And so that's, I think, the biggest issue. And I think that's where people need to be throwing a huge fit. And that's where I take the stands and I talk on social media about like, you need to be asking questions. Why is insurance companies dictating what doctors can write? Why are we not teaching kids in school about, you know, healthy eating? Why are we not talking to the public about, oh, you should eat processed foods? Why are we not prioritizing exercise and, you know, things like that? So I think a lot of it's an educational issue in this country. And I think if you went back towards preventative, like they do in a lot of countries like Europe and Switzerland and places where people, you know, Japan, where people are really healthy and happy. It's because they prioritize that preventative, not the, oh, they're sick, let's treat them type mentality. You know, my dad was really badly diabetic. He passed in 08. And I remember before um, he was in a nursing home and at one point he wanted to get fast food. 
And we were at that point where it's like, dude, you know, and he just genuinely didn't believe it was bad for him. And there's levels of that with people that just don't think, you know, and and I think that when this pandemic happened, I think that was a part of all of this. The people that are more that are older, infirmed and bad health, those are the, really the ones that this virus is going to attack heavily, you know, so. You're you're 100% right with that whole preventative thing. And it's just yeah. something Americans don't do. I mean, when you go to Europe, for instance, and you see the way they are, I mean, even though their drinking age is lower and, and it's like, but they're still active. There's, there's, there's a level of vitality that's so different. They walk. They walk to get their food. Yeah. They have a community. They have purpose. Their food is better. I mean, yeah. So we just, we have so many ways we can improve in this country. I think the problem is, you know, the legislators and the people who make all these decisions are, I mean, if you follow the money, I think sometimes they're getting the money from the bad food industry and the drug companies. And so they want you to eat the bad food and they want you to take the drugs and great, but we can't sustain this model in this country. We cannot like, we are the sickest country or the fattest country. Mm. We pay the most in healthcare. I mean, it's just, it's insane. Yeah. So, Let's get to the essence of what you do for a living. I'm going to put you in front of a bunch of third graders. It's career day. One of the kids says, hey, what do you do for a living? How do you answer them? I spend my day trying to help people feel better. That's what I do. But people come to me and they don't feel well. And a lot of people come to me and they feel invalidated. So I guess for a third grader, that's a hard word. A lot of people come to me and they feel like, they don't feel well or they've been sick for a while and nobody can figure out how or why and they just want to feel better. And so I spend my day listening to them and then trying to figure out how to make them feel better, right? So I understand the human body and physiology as a whole because I went to an endocrinology fellowship. And I think there's a lot of things that doctors miss, you know, because when we're in med school, we're taught like, hey, this symptom means this. This lab means this. This, It's all very black and white. It's not take into account what the patient says and how they're feeling and what they're eating and, you know, their whole lifestyle. And so I think where I'm different is I just, I listen to people and then I get a lot of information like lab values. And then I just tell them, okay, this is how we can make it better. You know, I don't necessarily, I mean, I think everyone can be better, right? No matter who you see, you can help them figure out a way to improve something. And so I feel like when I first started, if you would have asked me that question three years ago, my answer would have been, I see as many people as I can all day long and just try to, you know, check the box and move them along. I don't feel like that anymore. I feel like I literally go into every room and just try to figure out, okay, how can I help this person be a healthier, happier version of them? Right. And some of them, it's, it's going to take a really long time. Some of it's something, some of it's, it's very little, but I think that, you know, everyone wants to do things to better themselves. And so I feel like all day long, I just try to help them figure out from a metabolic standpoint, from a health standpoint, from a lifestyle standpoint, what can you do to feel better? So how did you get to this point? Talk to me about where you were born and raised and the seeds that came into you to want to get into medicine and to help people. Yeah, it's an interesting question. I get that a lot. And so I was born and raised in Lebanon, Missouri. So it was a very small town, middle of Missouri, kind of between Springfield and St. Louis. It's about five hours from where I live now. 
Um, a lot of factory workers there. We had a boat factory, a jeans, Lee jeans factory, um, kind of more of like a farm town. I think when I lived there, there was probably like 9,000 people. I mean, we had a Walmart, um, wasn't huge. And I just knew that, you know, I was always very driven and I thankfully had parents that, you know, made me do chores and made me realize that you don't get everything given to you in life and you have to work for what you want. So I, I always had that mentality. Um, but I just realized, you know, I worked at a sandwich shop in high school and my dad always said, you know, you're going to work for what you want. And, and I quickly realized that working for $2 and 35 cents an hour and a, a few tips doesn't get you very far in life. And so, um, I loved it, but I was just like, I kind of want something more. And I always had that desire and passion to like help people. Right. So anytime I saw somebody, who needed something or didn't feel well or was upset. I just have always had that compassion to like, I don't like that feeling. I want to make them feel better. You know, I just remember that from when I was little, my dad is probably one of the most compassionate people in the world. Like can't walk by somebody, you know, on the street that's homeless. He might not have $3, but he's going to give you all three of them if you need them. Right. So I think that's part of it. Um, but I just always had that drive and desire to help other people. And I realized, you know, I, I don't think this town has it for me. Like there's not a lot here for me to do unless I want to work in a factory or work in a sandwich shop. And I always was very interested in science and math and like animals and just health. And so I think that's where it came from. I thought, you know, I really love helping people. And I think that, you know, animals are awesome and I really liked uh, biology. And so I said, I'm going to be a doctor. So I said that, you know, uh, whenever I was little and I just had that mindset that that's what I'm going to do. And then what really sparked it for me to be honest with you is I'm a little bit of a stubborn person. And whenever I was in high school, I told my counselor, you know, you meet with your counselor, like, Hey, what are you going to do in life? They're supposed to help you get prepped for, for college. And I had a meeting with a counselor and I told him I was going to go to medical school and they were basically like, no, you're not like nobody in your family ever went to college. That's a really big dream. You should probably pick something else. You know, they were just very negative about it. And I went home and I cried. I remember crying. I remember telling, you know, telling my dad and he said, you know what, you can do whatever you want. Just ignore that person. And so I, I remember it. Uh, I went to bed that night and I thought, you know what? I want to go to med school and I don't care what that person said. It doesn't matter what it takes. I'm going to go to med school. And that was, that was it. Excellent. Very determined, very motivated. And so there I went. I wanted yeah. to make people feel better. You know, I, I'm in Kansas City, so I've been through Lebanon. And I've always wondered, how did the city get named after a country? I don't know. I feel like there's a <laughs> Lebanon, like every state. Yeah. Um, I have no idea. Yeah. And it's really funny too, because there's a huge Lebanese community in Oklahoma city, like the country. Right. Okay. Um, and I've been told by a lot of them, I look Lebanese. Right. And so everyone's always like, are you Lebanese? And I'm like, well, actually I am. I was born in <laughs> Lebanon, Missouri. <laughs> Lebanon, Missouri. <laughs> but I have no That's idea awesome. where the name came from. Yeah. So. so, so who's been a hero for you in your life? A hero? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I mean, it's probably different stages of my life, right? But I mean, I feel like my parents for sure whenever I was little, right? I mean, they're the ones who who taught me hard work and motivation. And I feel like I've made some dumb decisions in my life, right? Most kids have. Um, I was blessed to always feel like I could at least tell my parents, especially my dad, those decisions. And he might not always agree with them. 
but he never really, you know, he's always, he's always had my back. I'll just put it like that, which is, I appreciate, right? Because the worst thing in the world as a kid is to feel like you disappoint your parents. And I don't feel like I've ever done that, even though I've made some, some bonehead decisions. So I would say that for sure. Um, and then, you know, going through med school and residency, I mean, I feel like I was just so like in the weeds. I don't know that I necessarily had a somebody that was a hero, but once I've actually, you know, gotten older now and, and in my thirties, I really look up to like high functioning, powerful women. Right. So there's a lot of women I follow that I feel like make a huge difference in the world. Some of them are physicians. Some of them aren't. Um, one of them right now, I mean, I don't know if you know, Mel Robbins, I think she does amazing things for people. I think she's just very genuine. She talks to a lot of people about anxiety um, Layla Ermosi. I think she's a very good businesswoman. I like her. So I think it just kind of depends on the time of life. So if you could meet anybody alive on the planet right now and spend some time with them, who would it be? Oh, that's really hard. There's so many people. Um, it would probably be Mel Robbins. Yeah. It would probably be Mel Robbins because um, she kind of helped change my life too. You know, there's been a lot of issues I've had, some struggles I've had. And I think she just does a really good job of telling people like, just do the best you can. She tells everyone she loves them every day. Um, I think she's doing really good work. Just solid person. So speaking of that person, that's very solid and, and is motivating for you. There's obviously a lot of motivation. What is that for you? What gets you out of bed? What gets you going through your day and wanting to achieve what you want to get done with your life? So to be honest with you, in the last couple of years, it's just been the fact that I feel really blessed and happy to be able to help people. And, you know, when you first get out of med school, and I think this is why doctors are having a lot of burnout. When you first get out of med school, it's just like this hamster wheel. Like how many people can you see? How fast can you see them? And I did that for a couple of years. And then I woke up one day and I was like, this is not satisfying, right? Like at all. Like, I don't feel satisfied. I feel like people are just coming back. Nothing's getting better. And so about three years ago, I really started focusing on how can I really help people feel better? And I truly feel like I help people feel better every day. And so I think that's what gets me out of bed. Like people come to me and they've been to doctors and they've been told you're fine, you're fine, you're fine. And they're not fine. You know, they don't feel well. And so I take the initiative to listen and try to help them. And I would say at least one one patient a day will tell me like, hey, you really changed my life. And that I think is what gets me out of bed in the morning. And knowing there's so many people out there with social media now, you know, I just started doing social media like nine months ago. And I have all these people who message me and, and, you know, want help. And so knowing that I can maybe help people every single day, just feel better just for themselves. Right. That I think is what gets me out of bed. Like I really want to help people just feel better. It's a good feeling. Yeah. So what, what is it of everything that you've done and accomplished up to this point in your life? What are you the proudest of? I'm probably the proudest of the person that I've become. I would say that I've learned, I've, I've grown a lot, right? So I, I, I grew up as a very like, um, unconfident, scared, just, person, right? Just very fearful of a lot of things for a lot of reasons. And I've worked really hard in the last seven years on myself, just being nicer, being a better person, wanting to do things for other people. Um, I have a great therapist. And so I think 
I love that I help other people, but I really love the person that I've started to become. So I think that's, you know, come a long ways. So if you were to have a dream tonight, you ran into a much younger version of you, say in your 20s, and you could give that version of you a piece of advice based on the wisdom you've gained up to this point in your life. What would you tell that young version of you? Oh, my gosh. So many things. <laughs> um, I would tell them, you know, prioritize yourself. I think that's the number one thing. So prioritize yourself. I think a lot of people in their 20s and younger people struggle with, you know, I have to make everyone else happy. I have to make my parents happy, my boyfriend happy, my friends happy, my everyone happy. And then at the end of the day, there's nothing left to make you happy. And I feel like if you prioritize yourself and you're in a good place and you know what you want and you're happy, then it just makes it so much easier to go out into the world and give the world what you need and help everyone else. So I think, you know, I didn't prioritize myself at all until probably two years ago. Right. And that is, I mean, my health was in bad shape. I was in a bad place and you can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. No matter what you're doing. Yeah, for sure. What do you think has been one of the most um, impressive medical advancements in your lifetime? My gosh, you're just killing me with all these questions. (laughs) (laughs) In my lifetime? Yeah, that you've seen that's happened, yeah. I don't know. I really think that we have a pretty cool space with with diabetes, to be honest with you. So, you know, now, whereas people used to, not in my lifetime, but at one point people used to have to pee on a stick to have an idea of what their blood sugars were, right? I mean, we have this advancement now where people don't, they don't even have to perk their finger. I mean, they wear these devices on their arms or their abdomen for 10 days and it will tell them what their blood sugar is consistently all the time and how fast it's going up and down. And then we also have these devices where you can get insulin um, and it's delivered to you through a pump. And so I think that is just, it's changed the way people's lives with diabetes, how they live. And so I think that's pretty cool. And there's a lot of new stuff coming with that as well. So that's probably in my lifetime, one of the coolest things. I mean, you know, and that's my specialty base too. I know we've come up with chemotherapy and all that, but there's a lot of people that live with diabetes and it's a struggle. It's very difficult. You have to think about it all day long. And so giving those people something where they don't have to, you know, just making it a little bit easier is amazing. Yeah, it absolutely. Yeah. Well, my dad was diabetic and I remember watching him go through it and how just grueling it was. Um, so the the final the final hard question here, everyone has a perception of you, family, friends, clients, colleagues, but you're in control. What is your perception of you? Who do you think you are? I think I'm just a really compassionate person who truly is doing what I want to do for the right reasons, which is just, again, to help people feel better. Like I've been there. I've been the person who didn't put myself first. I've been the person who's sick. I've been the person who didn't feel well. I've been the person who ate all the fast food and all the terrible things because I thought that's what you were supposed to do. Um, the uneducated person. And I think I'm just the person who really wants to help bring good education because I know it's hard to find and just literally genuinely make you feel better. Just help you feel better so that you can do in life what you were put here to do, which is help other people. And I think if everyone in this world had that mentality of what can I do to help other people, this world would be a way better, beautiful place. I agree. So Cassie, if anyone wants to get in touch, learn more about you, anything about your business and your life, where can they go? 
Yeah. So I have an Instagram. It's at modern endocrine. So M O D E R N E N D O C R I N E. And then there's an underscore. Um, I have a Facebook at modern endocrine. I have TikTok. I have YouTube. We'll put all this on there. I have a website. It's www.modern-endocrine.com. But I'm really excited to tell you just recently this week, I started working on some um, online, like, uh, what's it called? Corpus, I guess. And so I'm going to have a landing page for that. But because of all these people that reach out to me, I really want to be able to help them. So I'm working on some online courses for patients and providers that are just going to talk about disease states. Like if you have thyroid issues, this is what it would be like to have a consult with me. And I'm just going to go over everything I explain to people about the disease and all the path of like, you know, why did you get the disease? How can you treat the disease? This is what I would recommend. These are lifestyle modifications. So that's what I've decided to do so that I feel like my cup is a little more full because I, I have this, you know, I feel bad when I can't help all these people. And so if I put something out there online that you can go get, then that's going to help as many people as want to see it. So I'm super excited about that. I'm going to have info about that on my Instagram page and a link page for that. So. Excellent. Cassie, thank you for your story. Thank you for your work. I appreciate your time today. Yeah, nice to meet you. Thanks for tuning in to another famous interview with Joe Domino, where we cover the world of art, literature, business, spirituality, music, and more from around the globe. Our esteemed theme music was composed and produced by the great E.E. E. Pointer of Kansas City's River Cow Orchestra. If you want to hear more interviews, visit the Famous Interviews with Joe Domino channel on YouTube. You can also find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Thanks again for listening, and until next time. <laughs>